everybody. Welcome to my podcast, Changing the Course. I am Atara, attorney in New York City, founder of the Curly Girl Movement, author of the Curly Girly book series, and owner of curlygirly.com. And my podcast mission is to bring interesting, newsworthy, and current topics to the forefront with dynamic guests who help us to change the way we see things and open our world to new ideas. Today, I'm really happy to be here with Faith Fox. Faith is an attorney and managing partner at the Cochran Law Firm in Charlotte, North Carolina. But Faith is more than just a lawyer. As a single mom to a 14-year-old, Faith recently made news and was featured in the New York Times as an activist. In attempting to protect her own child and other Black children, Faith took a stand and stood up for what she believed was right, even though it was difficult to do so. Her actions had consequences, and her son was expelled from his private elite school. Today, Faith is talking about this experience as it is more timely and relevant than ever. Welcome, Faith, to my show. I'm really happy to have you on. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. What a great introduction. I really appreciate that. Oh, of course. It's, it's all true. And, you know, I'm really... Um, happy to be speaking with you because this really is such an important and I think a fraught topic right now. But what really interested me most about your story was how you saw something that you felt was wrong. And instead of just sitting back and letting it happen, you took really the more difficult route of standing up to make change, right? So I know how hard that is. I'm a mother of three children. It's never easy to stand up to anyone in the school, right? You're always so worried about repercussions. So I don't want to tell you a story for you. Let's get started. Tell me a little bit about what happened with your son, with the expulsion. Well, first, let me just say, I I definitely agree with you in the sense that it is hard to speak up sometimes when you are in difficult situations, especially when you are kind of behind the eight ball on things. You know, there's all this control over you and everything that you have to accomplish, Um, But I I don't necessarily feel that same anguish when it's about my kids. So if I'm arguing about something at work and something that's wrong for people in general, I have a strong advocacy, as I'm sure you do as an attorney as well. But for my kids, it's like like a whole new level Mm -hmm. of uh, the whole mama bear thing. So, you know, the person that comes out when I'm dealing with my kids is is the mama bear and not the attorney. So I think there's a difference between those two people for me. I think that's very well said, actually. I think that, you know, there is a a type of person who will um, be like a bear, a lion for their child, no matter what, even though they might not be that person elsewhere in their life. But I still want to give you credit because I think there are still people and and it's, it's so hard. Um, to stand up, especially to school. I don't know if there's like this culture around like the principal is still scary (laughs) um, because we remember being that little, that child in school with that authority figure. I don't know what it is, but I find like very assertive, um, accomplished men and women who still won't take a stand even when there is something going on with their child. So I want to still applaud you for that. Thank you. And that's true. I mean, a lot of people, even now with all of the publicity that has come from this, there's, I get so much support from parents and families that are still, still have students at the school who are giving me so much support, but only in private because they're concerned about what's going to happen to their kids at the school. And, you know, as a lawyer, I feel like they're not so stupid as to kick out other kids as a result of their parents complaining about this specific issue. But there are other ways for the school to punish your student for you right. speaking. And so 
you know, I understand their reluctance to come forward. Um, you know, I wish that there wasn't this uh, atmosphere and this climate of just outright fear of repercussions if they were to speak out. But right. that is the climate at right. the school. And I think it that's is. the climate most private schools around the country. I think that's true. And maybe that's something that uh, you can work to change. We can work on that, you know, by yeah. getting an audience to really understand. So let's start at what happened specifically with your son, because I think it's really such a, a poignant story. Well, I received an email uh, around the 9th of November from the head of the English department. And in the email, it was basically an introduction to letting parents know that in a week or so, we're going to start reading the book Fences. And as soon as I saw Fences, I was like, what? I mean, you know, I didn't read Fences until I was very much an adult. Um, and I saw, I've seen it performed live twice. And of course, I've seen the recent movie. And I immediately thought that the content of this particular play is going to be way too heavy for these, this age group. Um, especially when you're talking about subjects that are adult content that most of these kids have never experienced and has not been discussed in any other area at the school. And so I was concerned about a couple Please, of things. I don't want to interrupt you, but I just want to give a little context for anyone who's not familiar with Fences. So Fences really um, explores like experience of a Black family living in the era in 1950s in Pittsburgh, era of segregation and the, and the Black rights movement. And it really exposes a dynamic between the inner world, right, of the Black community and of white power around it. Would you say that's accurate? And there's a lot of racial uh, slurs. Is there is, is that yes. accurate to say? Yes. In that book. Okay. Yes. Just for context. Okay. And so in the book, I mean, you, you know, you have the N-word repeatedly. And it's not necessarily used negatively where someone is being called that in a negative way. It is often used between the people in the book, which all of the characters in the book are African-American. Right. And so it's not necessarily used in a derogatory way in terms of how they're speaking to each other, but the word itself is inflammatory. Um, it's insightful. It's dis discriminatory, all of those things. And so right. to me, it doesn't matter how the word is being used. And honestly, I think that how the word is being used will be lost on this particular audience of ninth grade. Um, you know, I don't think they'll be paying any closer attention to the intricacies of this story if than if someone farted in the classroom and everyone just laughed. You know, I just think that the, that the focus and the maturity level is not there for this content of material in, in ninth grade. Okay. And so that was what my email really expressed. And, and I did say in the email, um, you know, the N-word is also an issue. But at this point, it's the least of my concerns. Okay. My concern at that point was the adult content and the fact that every time the kids seem to read a book, uh, in English or any other class about the African-American experience, it's always this very negative, very hard story about this really poor family, right. um, who's a broken family usually, um, but definitely somebody's on drugs, somebody's in jail. Um, in this particular book, the main character is an alcoholic, and for lack of a better word, he's a complete ass. I mean, like no one in the book really likes, and the play really likes him. Like, right. You know, he's not a fun, nice character. Um, you know, he's been married for, I don't know, maybe 25 or 30 years. His wife is someone who gave up her whole life to be there for him and support him in his dreams. And he doesn't have any appreciation for that. Um, he cheats on her, conceives a child, and then brings the child home for her to raise. Um, his own two children really don't have any respect or care for him. He kicked one of his kids out of the house. Um, 
because he didn't pursue the career that he wanted him to. And the other one, of course, jail, drugs, all of the, all of the stereotypical things. And I just felt like this is just a heavy story that I don't want my son exposed to in a classroom where he's one of only two black children. Um, and his entire, all of his classmates are sitting there reading the N-word. And, I, and I've been that student right. of one or two black people in the classroom. And every time you hear the N-word or even Negro or slave or slavery, like these are words that draw everyone's eyes on you if you're the only black person in the room. For sure. So I didn't want, I, I remember that like it was yesterday. I experienced it a lot specifically in elementary school, like seventh and eighth grade, middle school aged. And, and I, I still feel it. Like, I still feel how awful that felt. It just feels like someone is punching you in the stomach every time someone says that word in this particular type of group. And so I didn't want my son to go through that. Um, and I feel like it's 2020. We're in the middle of an actual televised racial revolution. And I just felt like the school should be more aware and conscious of what they're putting in front of the students. Right. Um, and so I asked for a meeting and I actually never got a response to that email. Um, wow. So the next day, uh, in the, after, the next day in the afternoon when I didn't hear from anyone, um, I sent a second email. But when I sent the second email, I realized that in the first email, they had also attached a clip to a PBS interview that they were planning to show the kids to prepare them for the reading of this book. Okay. Um, there was also an article. But when I watched the video, um, the video was a black professor from Harvard, and he was speaking on his version of the history of the N-word, okay. um, how this racial slur came to be and the effect that it has on people and all these other issues. And when I clicked on the video, I was even angrier <laughs> than when I thought about my son reading this book aloud in class. Okay. So this video was this black Harvard professor being interviewed by a black woman on a PBS like hourly special or something okay. where he started by saying that he doesn't know. And he doesn't know if anyone knows when the N word became negative, that it had been used to, um, to apply to different nationalities across the span of time and history. And I kind of got the message that he was, basically saying that black people, although we are a group that this word refers to, are overly sensitive to it. Oh, wow. Um, which really pissed me off. Yes, and, I can imagine. And he went on to talk about um, if you use the word uh, with a different pronunciation on the end of it. So if you're saying it with an ER or an A, it takes on a different meaning, which also pissed me off because right. that's not true. Um, and so it just really made me angry. And I thought about the audience that this was intended for and the audience that was going to get it. Right. Um, and I also thought I'd like to see the entirety of that interview because I feel like it's, it's very hard for me to understand how this professor has this very, very limited view when he himself has clearly gone through quite a bit as a professor at Harvard to get where he is. I'm sure he understands that some of the things that he's saying are not exactly true. Um, and so it really bothered me. And then towards the end of the video, he talked about um, how when a group of white children is hanging out with their black friends and they're listening to all this rap music, how confusing it can be about whether or not they should or should not use the word. And his recommendation was, if you're with your friends and, and you're in a private space, that it's okay to say wow. the word. 
Um, and as long as no one else is around you that can hear you and think that you might be racist. And I was just like, is, is it like, I felt like I was being punked. Like, is this for real? Right. Like twilight zone suddenly. Yeah. Like, is this really elsewhere? Yeah. Is this a message that the school really wants to send to their ninth grade, you know, class that it's okay if no one else can hear you and it's okay around your black friends. Right. It's not okay around my son. You know, my son knows that I can't help what's in his music. I hate it. I, I definitely don't agree with black people using it in their music. Um, but he's certainly not allowed to sing it out loud um, or refer to his brother or anyone else in that way. And absolutely no one is calling you that as an in term right. of endearment. I don't accept the theory that this is a term of endearment that black people have kind of, no. you know, uh, reclaimed and repurposed. No. I, I just don't, I don't buy into that. So you know, it really bothered me, the video. So my second email basically started by saying when I sent the first email, I hadn't watched the video. So here's my thoughts on the video. Um, and at the end of that email, I hit send. And ironically, every single person that I attached to get that email, which were all administrators at the school, um, the English professor, the director of diversity, the head of upper school, the headmaster for the school, every single email bounced back and was blocked. And I was like, what the heck? And I told a couple people, like, I think they blocked me. Like, I can't believe this. Oh, my goodness. And someone pointed out to me that it probably got blocked because of the N-word. So I thought, that's insane. They're, they have their email setting not to accept this word in written form from a, from a parent. But they're 100% okay with the kids saying it out loud in the classroom. Um, so I had to go through, revise my whole email, take out the N-word everywhere it appeared, and resend it. And I resent it and asked for, uh, I told them, you know, I had to go back and edit this. So like, how ironic is it that you're, you don't want this in your email, but you're okay with saying it in the classroom. Um, I never got any substantive response to that email either. Okay. Um, what I had requested a meeting in that email, and the response was, when are you available to meet? So a week later, um, I met with the school via Zoom. It was myself, the director of diversity, the upper, head of upper school, and the head of uh, middle school. Okay. And I basically just expressed exactly what I'd said in my two previous emails that they ignored. Mm -hmm. um, and it was an hour long meeting of me saying all the reasons this was going to be hard for my son, that it was inappropriate for this age group, mm -hmm. that it was uh, disrespectful to my son's experience as a black person at this white school. Right. Um, and, and just everything that I had said um, prior. And they came back to me with, you know, we've consulted with the experts. They say it's fine. Everyone does it. And I said to them, you know, who are your experts? Because I haven't spoken to one single person that said this was normal or okay. Um, and I also don't know any black people who have not experienced what I'm trying to prevent my son from experiencing. So, and they all describe it as horrific and something they wish they didn't have to go through. Right. So I'm curious to know who your experts are. And they basically indicated that their expert was the director of diversity and inclusion who was in the meeting. Okay. And I said, well, and I said, I directed her by name. I said, I'm really curious to know how you can support this book for this particular class. And these students, when you know the maturity level is not where it needs to be to really receive the messages that you claim you're trying to get out. And also, how are you okay with the, the two black kids in the class sitting through all of these other people in the room saying the N word repeatedly? Right. 
And she had absolutely no response. Uh, I think one of the other people jumped in and said, you know, we've already had these discussions. I said, but, you know, as a member of the black community, I can't imagine you didn't experience this. If you didn't, then I guess you were lucky. But I find it hard to believe that you didn't. Um, and if you did, how are you okay with this? And I told her that I felt that she was disconnected from the black community. If she, because she wasn't just allowing this and supporting it. I believe that this was her idea. I think this came from her, mm -hmm. that she presented this to the school. And I was also told at that time that I was the first parent that had ever complained. They'd been doing this book for several years. Um, and, you know, thanks for playing, but we're still going to do the book. Right. Was the, the where I was told at the end of the meeting, um, we're still going to read the book. And I told them absolutely under no circumstances is my son going to read this book out loud in the classroom. So he's going to need an alternate assignment. Um, and he's not going to be present for any of those classes. And I don't want him marked absent. So they were in agreement with that. They were like, fine, fine, we'll figure out something. Um, you know, we'll, we'll let you know later. We are gonna push this book to next semester. Um, and the kids have already started another book because by the time we were having this meeting, they would have already started Fences at that okay. point. Okay. So they decided to start Macbeth and they, the kids were reading Macbeth instead. And they were pushing Fences to the spring semester. So I got off that meeting. Uh, I was really, really upset after the meeting. I really felt like they were treating me as a one-off when I knew for certain that there were at least four other parents in my son's class mm -hmm. who wrote similar letters. Only one of the other women was black. Right. And so there were three other parents who were white who expressed concern about this book being used in the classroom. Um, and when they were telling me I was the only one, I didn't want to out the other parents and put them on blast in this meeting sure. or let them know that I knew that that wasn't true. But I just kind of let it go. Um, but the, I was talking to one of the parents and she suggested that I post my concern about how dismissive they were in this private uh, Facebook group that was set up by some of the parents at the school. Uh, it was a racial equity caucus group or something along those lines. And it was private only to PDS families. Okay. Um, I think there's maybe 40 to 60 people in the group. Okay. So I kind of reduced my email to appropriate posting size and I posted it and I made reference to the meeting and how I felt like it was a bad decision, you know, that I felt the school was very dismissive and I was extremely disappointed in the director of diversity's uh, non-response to my concerns and the fact that, you know, she wasn't really doing what I felt her job is, which is protecting the black child's experience at the school um, and informing the school about right and wrong when you're talking about these types of issues with kids. Right. Uh, within seconds, people started to reply to my post and they were all really, really angry as well because apparently some of these parents had been complaining about this book since they first started using it in 2017. And they thought after their conversations with the school that the school had stopped using it. And this was the first time they were hearing in the last two or three years that the book was still being used, that they were still subjecting kids to this. And in the process of those posts, there was a parent who posted that her daughter had sat through this class. She was the only black person in the class. And when it was over, she posted a blog about it at the school. And in the blog, she described how she just basically wanted to disappear in her chair every day, how every time someone said the N-word, it just felt like a dagger deeper and deeper into her soul. Mm -hmm. and, and just this really horrific story, how she cried um, about it after class every day and how it went on for weeks. Mm -hmm. And I thought, 
how dare the school disregard this blog? It's bad enough. From a child, from a student. Yeah. And I said, it's bad enough. They're disregarding the concerns of every parent that's ever complained, but that they have a student who was able to sit down and very eloquently describe how awful the experience was of reading this book. Um, And they read it and didn't feel a thing and continued to use the book and subject other black kids to that same experience. And when I read that blog and started getting these responses on the Facebook page, I really was like at a whole new level of annoyed and angry with the school. Mm-hmm. And that's when I opened my, my laptop and I cranked out this email where I said, you're a disgrace to the black community. And I'm so disappointed with everyone on this thread. You've all failed your black students miserably. Right. Um, and I posted the blog and I said, you guys have known about this for three years. This child is actually a student, a senior at the school right now. She's still there. Right. right. Um, and she's experienced significantly more humiliating um, things since then. And so I, I was just so, so angry. And I don't know this mom or this child or these people in this room. And it just made me so angry that we all had this kind of common experience, uh, this common horrific experience um, that the school just continued to ignore while a black woman sits in the director of diversity position doing absolutely nothing about it. Um, And so I was angry. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm sure, Atara, you're familiar with the fact that when you're angry, you don't send emails. (laughs) It's that it's that five hour rule, right? Yeah. (laughs) And I I, I adhere to that rule. All the time. I never send out emails when I'm angry. I have literally sat, sat down and written three page emails in response to something someone said to me. And by the time I send it out, it's like three sentences. And it's right. like, I'm put it in draft, you revise it five hours later. Actually, right. it's like, you know, none of this matters. Let me just right. respond to this in the most basic way. Well, I, I think I'm just going to go back to the fact that this was about my kid. Right. Super, super angry. And certainly I could have gone back to that email in an hour or two and maybe revised it. But honestly, it would have made, maybe had a nicer tone, but the sentiment and the message would have been exactly the same. So I think that the result would have been the same regardless, because I don't think the school was so upset about the tone of my email. They were upset with what I was saying using them. And that, that wasn't going to go away. So, um, you know, I never got a response to that email either. What I got 10 days later was a Federal Express to my home the day after Thanksgiving, telling me that my son was expelled effective immediately. Actually, it said that he was his contract was being terminated um, mm-hmm. because of my behavior that I bullied, harassed, and racially discriminated against the director of diversity uh, in that, email, that last email that I sent, which it... I mean, it just kind of, to me, it just kind of proves my point with my argument, some of my arguments in that the school doesn't know what bullying is because I can't bully from where I'm sitting. Um, and also harassment and racial discrimination, like a black woman against a black woman. I, I don't even know. No, if these are just, it's the, it's actually, it's so multi-layered what happened here that it really is, it's fascinating on so many different levels, on a a human level, on a woman level. Like, I I don't want to forget that you're a single mom doing this all on your own. So I want to touch on that one. Um, And it's really just what they did. I I, want to start with this. First of all, bullying, harassment, that's not an okay way to categorize 
an, an angry, I'm going to use the word angry. I haven't read your email to them, right? But let's say by your own admission, if it was an angry email, that doesn't amount to bullying and harassment, right? So those are nice like code words now, which make people think they have carte blanche to do whatever they want. Right. Right. But like, that's not, that's not okay. Those should be used when they're, when it, the incident is actually amounting to that, to bullying, not when somebody is writing an email um, and you're both in the same level of power, right? Like you're not, you weren't doing this to a student that could be classified potentially as quote bullying, but not when you're responding to an equal. So let's get that straight out there. But I really want to start with the fact that your actions got your son expelled. Yes. And that is just shocking to me, right? Mm -hmm. That did, did your son do anything? Did he have any negative interest? No, nothing. No, no. My son actually, you know, I told him when I got the first email, um, I asked him, had they talked to him about fences in the classroom or like what was the conversation? And he had never even heard of the work. So the email went out before anything was introduced to the kids. Um, I asked him, did you, have you ever seen this video? And he's like, no. So he didn't know anything about fences until I told him that I had a problem with this book. And I showed him the email from his teacher. I showed him the, the emails that I wrote back. And so he was aware of what was going on, but not on the classroom level. So okay. nothing had been introduced in the classroom at that point. Um, so no, when my son was kicked out of school, it, came as a complete, I mean, completely knocked the wind out of him. Uh, me too. You know, right. I found out on Friday. Um, it was a Friday after Thanksgiving and both of us had plans to go out of town. I was actually heading to the airport in the morning. He was leaving that evening and actually just about 10 minutes after I got the letter, um, he was leaving for the weekend with one of his friends. And so um, I hadn't even opened the letter yet, but I knew it was going to be bad because in the 11 years that we've been at the school, I've never once received right. A federal express from the school right. um, and so I knew it was bad and when he left I probably waited about a half an hour before opening it um, pretty much stopped me knocked the wind out of me completely because right. I knew of course I'm gonna have to tell my son that I got him kicked out of school and he's like you know when I did finally tell him which was on Sunday well you know, it kind of got progressively worse for me over the weekend because of course I was stressing it the whole weekend and agonizing over how I was going to tell yes. my son who loves his school right. um, and really just got, just got uh, earned a spot on the basketball team, which has been like a goal of his since probably third grade. Wow. Um, and I just knew that it was going to be really, really devastating for him. And so on, on Saturday, uh, I actually ended up canceling my trip because I couldn't, I just I'm couldn't so go. Devastated. Yeah, I couldn't go, but I still let him go on his trip. Um, and so on Saturday evening, probably around six or seven o'clock, he sent me a text and told me that he was trying to get some work done that was due next week and he couldn't get into any of his class accounts. Wow. And I was just like, Ugh. I said, well, honey, you know, you're on vacation. Don't worry about it right now. We'll deal with it on Monday. Um, I didn't want to tell him over the phone while he was on this vacation right. with his family the truth about the situation. So I just kind of put it off. And so the next day when I picked him up on Sunday evening, um, I really had planned like this whole family meeting with my older son. And I contacted my older son in advance, like, hey, I got to have a really important conversation with Jay. Can you be home? Can you be there? Because right. I think he's going to need you because he's going to hate me. Right. So <laughs> 
Um, and so I had this whole meeting planned and then I get in a car to pick him up and he only wants to talk to me about why can't he get into his classes? Why can't he get his work done? He's got assignments due. He's got projects coming up that are due and he has been trying to work on them all weekend wow. and he can't get in. And so we ordered pizza and we were sitting outside the pizza place waiting for them to bring it out to the car. And he was so upset about not being able to get in his classes. I finally just told him right there in the car and immediately his eyes, he didn't say a word. Wow. He didn't look right. at me, he was looking straight ahead, but I could just see both of his eyes were filled with water. Wow. Um, and of course I immediately started crying as soon as I saw, <clears throat> saw him getting so emotional. Um, and he didn't say anything for like, I want to say at least three or four minutes. And I just kept saying, Jamal, I'm so sorry, honey. I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't, I honestly cannot believe this happened. I'm so sorry. And he just, his facial expression did not change. Um, and so finally, when we, he did start talking, he wanted to know if there's anyone he could talk to, to, to have a conversation, to make it kind of go away. Walk so back, that, right. And that has really been where he's been this entire time. I mean, he very desperately wants to go back to school. Wow. Um, of course, you know, my, my, after telling him and kind of working through his emotions as much as I could, uh, I'm the last person he wants to talk to about this, uh, especially then. Um, and so I had to immediately go in back into parent mode and figure out where am I going to send him for school? Because he's, he doesn't have school now effective immediately. Like, so Monday morning, when everyone goes, goes back to school, the only school he's ever known. Only school he's ever known. And I mean, I thought, I, I know, I know of situations where parents have gone off on teachers in the classroom in front of students to the point that the teacher has cried. And those parents and those students- are still there. Right. No. So why do you think, I'm, that, that's what's so curious to me about this. You know, here you have such a, a, good, a good son, a good boy. He's made the basketball team. He's so concerned about his grades, right? And he sounds like just a lovely boy. Um, wouldn't they have been better off saying, you know, Ms. Fox, we really don't want to hear from you on this anymore. Um, this topic is not on the table. Let's shelve it or let's bring counsel in knowing you're a lawyer, but let's not talk about this together anymore. If you want your son to stay here, like some sort of warning, wouldn't that have made in my mind so much more sense? I mean, I can think of, at least five other things that they could have done instead of kicking my son out. Right. Um, I feel like my email to the, them kicking Jamel out seemed to be as knee jerk a reaction as me sending out my, my email, um, the angry email I sent. So I, I don't know. I know that it wasn't knee jerk for them though. I know that they had meetings about it. I know that the director of diversity voted on my son getting kicked out and voted to expel right. a child who has done nothing Wow. It's incredible. From school because she got her feelings hurt. I mean, and no one wants to hear that someone else thinks they're doing a bad job. Right. Um, certainly, I know that I was not the first person to say the things that I said to her. She has heard she's heard this for years. Um, and so I don't know, maybe I was just the final straw. It was the final straw for her um, was hearing it from me written in an email. I don't know. But I think that the fact that this woman is okay with my punishment being my son being kicked out of school 
isn't also an indication that there's a problem in the diversity and inclusion department at the school. I, she has a lack of understanding of the black community and I stand by that. Well, I think the whole school is really is really saying, right? Like they don't really understand and that they don't really care. They're basically, in my mind, what they're saying is, we have rules, you need to abide by them. We don't want to hear from you. And when you, when you say that to parents, you are also teaching that to their children in this school. And I, I don't believe that that is a way to bring up children, right? As long as we um, say what we want to say respectfully, which it sounds like until your last email, you did so, we are allowed to have a voice. Don't we want to teach that to our children rather than shutting them down before they get to have a voice? And I think that's what's also very troubling about this incident. Because I don't want my son to be in negative situations in the future and 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 just subject himself to them for fear of what will happen if he right. if he defends himself or speaks yeah. out. And I felt that this was a horrible message for the school to send my son. Um, honest, obviously, she didn't like hearing what I had to say, but I think that you getting your feelings hurt is not the same as literally like destroying everything about his life. Right. I would go so far, right? He's destroying his life because this is the life that he knew. Yes. At this I mean, school. He has never attended any other school. Wow. Since four years old, he's been at the school and now he's in ninth grade, which is in his mind, it's like the Holy Grail high school is like everything, you know? Um, and, and what really kind of broke my heart um, after the obvious things was having talking to him about all the things that he is not going to be able to do now. And it was little things like the basketball team wears their jerseys on certain game days and they help the little kids get out of the car in the morning. Right. And like during carpool. Right. And wait to be one of the basketball players that got to help kids out of the right. car. Right. I never even thought about um, were things that he was looking forward to. Um, you know, for Halloween, they have this tradition where the little kids get dressed up and they walk through the school and they get high fives from the older kids. And he just couldn't wait to be one of those bigger kids, giving the little kids yeah. a high five. Like, it just broke my heart, like listening to the things that he was going to miss and the things that upset him about not being able to go there anymore. Um, he considered himself to be a lifer. Um, which basically means you've been there for your whole life. Right. Um, and so to not be a lifer anymore, it, it's changed. It, it has changed him. He is not the same person. Not the same boy. Um, he's not the same boy. He's not the same happy kid. I mean, right. he has moments where he's laughing and seems to be okay. But then when that moment dies down, the, the sadness creeps back into his face and it's, it's just there. I, th I can only imagine it's devastating. I think I think yeah. devastating for him and for you to watch as his mother. And I'm sure you have second guessed yourself a thousand times wishing you could walk this back. But but what I think um, you need to remember is really you shouldn't be penalized for for taking a stand. And I think I think the message that this school is sending and I'm wondering, do you think it would have been different had this diversity um, person, the head of this diversity program, been a, been a white woman, w would this not have happened? Would it have gone down differently? Was there something no. about the fact that you were both African-American Black women that allowed Honestly. for this? Faith and Jamal's story was so rich in detail that we recorded for longer than our usual time. Please join us for part two of this episode next week as Faith continues her passionate journey of speaking out and the repercussions that were life-changing for her son. 